Welcome to Q&A, a deeper dive with Sam Holm and other guests as we dig deeper into the sermon content each week. Yes, welcome to a deeper dive. I'm sitting here with Sam Holm and my name's Mark. And we have a exciting episode planned for you today. We're going to try to talk about Daniel 2, at least the first part of Daniel 2, 1 through 30. Um, it's a little more than the first part, but we'll call it the first part. Daniel 2, part 1. We'll there you go. That. And then uh, baptism. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about baptism in this episode, hopefully. Uh, but today, or today, Sunday, was Baptism Sunday for us, which is a big day for us. We kind of um, hold off on baptisms for a little bit and try to put them all on one day to celebrate uh, what baptism is, talk a little bit about it, all those. And so Daniel 2 this week led us right into kind of baptism and talking about his, you had a lot of uh, P's in the word, public profession starts with private prayer. Hopefully I didn't mess up Andrew with all those P words. But before I let you speak, Sam, let me go through all the stuff. Be sure to like, share this podcast. I was going to try to do it like, what was that, Micro Machines? that commercial like share all the podcasts do do all the stuff you would normally do uh if you have a question text word question 96123 we got some good questions this week we're going to talk about and then uh if you would share this podcast with everybody you can if you want to hear this past week's sermon and i've also um, put the baptisms on the end of it if you watch it you can watch both services baptisms i think we had 22 23 something like that baptisms that took place um, but those are all out there at firstmckinney.com slash on demand. And then you you didn't talk about it, but we're into the new Bible reading plan too. So I want to encourage you to do that, firstmckinney.com slash Bible. Yeah, and I'm going to actually add to something you said about Baptism Sunday. It's not we actually hold off people getting baptized. Yes, we I baptize said it wrong. I no, apologize. No, you're good. Uh, what, what we want to do, though, is on occasion elevate the fact that baptism is happening in the services right now so that there are people, there are people that have not yet made their faith public through baptism, a public profession of faith like we think the Bible points us to. And so uh, when we elevate it uh, and celebrate it uh, on specific Sundays, and again, we baptize most Sundays in our church, uh, it sometimes invites others that have been thinking about doing it but haven't yet taken that step of faith. And it was fun. It was fun to see adults and kids uh, take that step, see children that have been going through our process that we have where we engage the parents to do the new you class uh, with them and a booklet with them discipling their kids in the home and stepping up and them baptizing their own children that are now their brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, it's a, it's a fun, fun Sunday. I'm now laughing because of all the P words we're using, the process, the parents, all that. So uh, just fun game. Take take Pre- Presley. <laughs> yes, that's, Presley. That's impressive that you yes, perceive yes. that in this. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, enough Enough with that. Why don't you talk about this Sunday? And uh, again, I said that a minute ago, but firstmckinney.com slash on demand. Powerful sermon. You talked about Daniel 2 and then led us into baptism. So summarize it a little bit. So Daniel is showing us what it looks like to shine as lights in the darkness. And he's in Babylon right now. And chapter one, uh, what we were a week ago, uh, we saw that the, the Babylonian culture was intentionally trying to indoctrinate them in order to assimilate them into the culture and to think like them, act like them. And his friends, they, they set themselves apart. They say, no, we're not going to eat the same food. Uh, they they kind of put a line in the sand. We're not going to go there. Set apart the word holy 
really literally means to set apart, and they do it humbly instead of acting better than or uh, demanding. Uh, you know, they posture themselves in, with humility in the process of setting themselves apart, and we'll see that throughout the book of Daniel. And so that's where we were last week. Week two, though, something happens that's unique. Uh, Daniel, is he's going to stand up, not just and say, I'm not going to go there. He's going to profess his faith in the one true God in Daniel chapter two. And there's this vision where we'll be next week in Daniel chapter two. That's crazy uh, as God prophesies what is going to happen and what we've already seen play out, some of which I believe still has yet to play out. Uh, in the dream. So what we did is we looked at uh, the first part of Daniel chapter two, and we saw this, the, the, I mean, again, I get, I'll just tell the story, I guess, but the, 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 the king has a dream. It disturbs him. He tells his wise men, tell me the interpretation and the dream. They say, well, tell us the dream. We'll tell you the interpretation. He says, no, tell me the dream and the interpretation if you are really like supernatural wise men. So be me walking in and saying, okay, I had a dream last night, saying, tell me the dream. Yeah, like, like, the, the, and I, you can understand why the guys would yeah. say, but you also, I mean, the, the king is kind of smart in the whole process. He's like, no, well, if you're really super guys, like if you have some kind of supernatural connection, you could tell me the dream and the interpretation. I In studying for this, did you know, I'm getting you way off track, but we have on average three to five dreams a night. I did not know that. How many do you remember typically? That unless it's a very vivid type dream or something like that, or I get woken up right in the middle of the dream. Yep. Not, not many, but three to five is what the yep. the studies show us. I, so I didn't mention this on Sunday, this is a deeper dive. There are some commentary writers and theologians that believe that the king didn't actually remember his dream because he wakes up disturbed, he's uncomfortable, but you never see him say, yes, I know my dream until Daniel tells him. And so maybe Daniel telling him prompted back, but the, we don't know for sure the king could even remember. So he tells the guy, tell me my dream and the interpretation. If you don't, I'm going to tear you limb from limb and I'm going to destroy your houses. They say, no, there's no man on earth that can do that. And God's too disconnected from us. The gods, lowercase g, are too disconnected from us for that to happen. Well, Daniel hears about it. He's part of the wise men. Apparently, he wasn't around the king when he first started talking about it, and he hears about it. And what he does first, and this is where our point comes from, and we'll see again this play out throughout the book of Daniel. If the theme is God is in control, Daniel goes to the God who's in control, and he prays. And so we said it this way, public profession, he's going to profess his faith in Christ publicly, but it's going to start with private prayer for him. It's something that has to come out from the inside out, right? It's not the other way around. We don't earn our way to God. The public profession is not about us, it's about him and something that he's done in us private prayer. And so he goes to God and he prays but with his friends. And this is one of the questions that we were going to interact here in just a second, pointing out he wasn't alone. He was with other Christians in that private setting, praying. And then God reveals the dream to him and its interpretation. He praises God. He goes to the king and he tells the king, there's no way I could know this. Again, it's not his public profession is not about himself no way I can know this. I'll read the, the verses. No wise men, enchanter, magician, or astrologer, again, they were all about the stars, can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked, but there is a God, uppercase G. He's going to point the whole kingdom, Babylon, to this God throughout his life. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be. And so he then 
publicly says in front of everyone, there is a God. This God is really, I mean, he's the one in control, and he's telling Nebuchadnezzar this. He's, he's pointing to the fact that he's a better God than anything the world that they have offers them. He stands up for his, his faith. So, again, it's not about him. It's about God and his profession. That public profession flowed out of his personal um, and, yeah, private prayer. And we talked about it ahead of time, uh, recording this, that one of the things I get out of it, and we, we just glance over it, that he went into the king. It's almost like Esther. Yeah. He just went in the king and, you know, I mean, the king calls on him and says, can you interpret it? Yep. But think of the courage. I know it's not about him. The hero of this book is God. But the courage it took, because if he's wrong. Then he's limb from limb, he's, house destroyed. Yeah, he's, and not just him, but Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego are also, yep. which do you say Abednego or Bednego? How do you say? How do you say? Benny, I think, is the correct Veggie Tales. Well, yes, Andrew was talking earlier. He he gets it from Veggie Tales too. That's <laughs> that's his his word for translating. Abednego or, is how I say it, Abednego. but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that's correct. Yeah, that's when it. we talk about the furnace, so the, we should have a whole five minutes of how do you pronounce Abednego? Pro tip for any Christian out there that it struggles to say names: you just say it like you know what you're saying and read it quickly and move on. And that works even if you're not a Christian and you're just in any kind of setting. Just say what you're going to say, and if you make less of the name, then people think you know how you're saying Unless the person is in the room that is named that, and then you're in trouble. But I've been in a lot of meetings with an Abednego. You so. have a lot? That's good. No. no. Did, did Andrew not change a lot. his name? Okay. <laughs> no, not a lot. Anyways, okay. But the the... Really, the point is, think about the courage it took to step in there. And you talked about his friends. So the first question we got says this in in Daniel 2.18. Uh, specifically, we read that Daniel immediately went to his friends. And they, quote, pleaded for mercy from the God of heaven. Uh, big G God. How are friends helpful in the... Di- so I want to take in discipleship. How are they helpful in the discipleship path? So I love this question, and uh, it's, it's, if it's okay for me to say this out loud, it even makes me question the way I worded the point, right? Uh, we are never meant to live the Christian life alone. This goes before Jesus also for the Jewish faith. Uh, God never intended the Jews to be alone in their faith. Now, it's unique in that God has pulled them out, and they are not with their families. They are not with their probably faith family, the synagogues that they would have gone to or whatever, uh, but they still have their peers that are following the God of heaven that they go to. And so uh, if you're a new believer and you don't have that community, please, in fact, uh, I, I, I don't know how to emphasize this uh, yeah, appropriately, uh, I would not be where I am today in my faith with, in, in Christ if it was not for strong Christian peers discipleship is so important uh, as you get to see God through another person's life uh, pour into you. Relationship, right? We, we've said in our church that we believe discipleship moves at the speed of relationship. And so Daniel, he went to these other believers in God and they pray there. And on some level, it is a private setting where they're not in public yet about the God of heaven, but they pray together and God answers that prayer. So uh, friends are, you cannot over... Overstate and I know we, we this. talked about it last episode too, and how do you, and both of us admitted, we don't know, we don't have the answers of you're lonely right now, how do you find that friend? But we, I think I said, it starts with being a friend, but there's not a, you know, a, 
one answer out there of, okay, I'm lonely. How do I find friends? But I can tell you the church is a good place to start. Yes. And a, and a life group, if you're not in a life group, I think I may be wrong on this, but firstmckinney.com slash group, I think mm-hmm. lists some of those life groups, but that's a great place to start if you are listening or just go ask someone, yep. can you disciple me? You know, start with that, a, a Christian in your life or a coworker that you know follows God. You can see by that they live and love like Jesus. Yeah. In fact, I'll take that a step farther. I'm so passionate about this. I invite people to email me directly. Like if you're in McKinney, if you're obviously listening and you're in England somewhere or whatever, it, we, we, we can help connect you to a church there. Uh, but if you're here and you'd like to find community, you can email me directly, sam at firstmckinney.com, and I can connect you to our discipleship pastors and our group pastors and help find a group that fits you. If it's not even Sunday morning, uh, we have groups off outside of Sunday morning. Again, we talked about this last week. But it's a great question. He immediately went to his friends. How are friends helpful in the discipleship path? Uh, I, I think of Psalms, uh, what is it, 2717. Yeah, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Uh, if you're a girl, so one woman would sharpen another. This is part of the way that God designed it. Uh, it's not good for man to be alone, he said in the garden. That was before sin entered the world. That does not mean you have to be married. Uh, the, the Bible says even you read and talk about singleness. First uh, Corinthians chapter 7, the last meeting I was in before this podcast, we were talking about this. The church, I think, has done a poor job elevating how Jesus was single, uh, Paul was single, but they were in Christian community. They were not alone on any level, and that is it is vital uh, that you have a group of people that you can meet with, pray with, like Daniel did, and God speaks in and to you through that. Okay, I'm going to—we were on discipleship path. I'm yeah. going to, pun intended, take us down a different path. And you started your sermon this week with some stats, patriotism, religion in the United States. You were quoting some other pastors, some mm-hmm. other studies. Mm-hmm. So I have a question for you today. Where is the line between appropriate allegiance and ultimate hope when it comes to living as a Christian with competing authorities like government, job, etc.? Thinking of Daniel, he was in exile. Mm-hmm. He had a different government than he was used to, those kind of mm-hmm. things. But where is what's appropriate allegiance? Yeah. So those, those stats, uh, they're staggering when you really look at it. I mean, in 25 years, uh, many of them dropped more than half when you look at community involvement. Uh, what does it look like to serve your community you're around? Patriotism was one of them. Uh, it, the, the stats that were about being loyal to other people, uh, religion was the one we kind of landed on, being loyal to others that believe what you believe dropped significantly. The only stat in the study that, that increased was money, which is a personal thing. Like, I, I want more money for me. So where's the line between allegiance? Like, I do believe that Scripture calls Christians to be selfless, right, to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow Jesus, to love like Jesus loved. He said, the greater love is no one than this, and he laid down his life for his friends. I do believe patriotism is close to godliness because godly people are going to fight for, in fact, Paul not Paul, excuse me, I'm, I'm spending it in Jeremiah chapter 29. We're going to talk about this at one point in the study of Daniel. Jeremiah chapter 29, Jeremiah prophesies God through Jeremiah to the people, when you go into Babylon, I want you to seek the good of the city that you're in, and I want you to serve like Daniel does in this pagan culture, the people that you're around, to work for their good uh, and become part of the culture you're, you're called to. 
So I, I do think Patreon, but I do think also sometimes we get it confused. And what I mean by that is in the Old Testament, Israel does not equate in the New Testament to America. Uh, the Old Testament Israel was God's people that he was in a covenant relationship with. That equates in the New Testament to the church of Jesus Christ. That's all over the world. Uh, so God, uh, he has a unique and a special relationship with his people, but he wants to send his people out in order to reach because he loves the whole world, right? And so uh, I don't know if I'm really getting to the question. I'm going to read it again. No, but I like where you're going because yeah. I do. And to clarify, you said it's close, yep. but there is a line. It yep. is not patriotism at times can be our God. Absolutely. And, and so God, it, do, God it, doesn't love the USA more than he loves the people in England. Correct. God doesn't have a more special relationship with a Christian in the USA than he does in Christian in England. And I, I do think uh, we've blurred the lines. In fact, uh, pastors sometimes talk about it this way. And we as a church have made a decision that we don't want to, here's the words. Okay, here's wording, pastors, I'm bringing you inside. I think this is a deeper dive, not even just the text. But we don't want to wrap the cross with a flag. Um, we don't want to, on 4th of July, to have a service that exalts our country above exalting Christ. The, the point of the church is to point people to Jesus, not the USA. And so there, there have been churches, I think, that have confused that before. And uh, so where does the allegiance lie? The allegiance lies with the kingdom of God. And Daniel, he's able to engage in this pagan culture and even serve this pagan culture for the good of this pagan, even a pagan evil king. He's coming alongside and he's giving words from God to him in love. But he is not placing himself under that authority. He's placed himself under the authority of Jesus, right? Uh, God, not, not Jesus yet. Um, that, that there's a higher kingdom, and, and, and Daniel realized that. But I think, and I'm not arguing with you, I, mm -hmm. I, I think in today's culture, yeah. one of the easiest ways to change culture and to be part of a change agent mm -hmm. is to be into politics, to, to vote um, yes. for the people that believe what you believe. To, yeah. So I, I, and I think you are not saying this. I no, think I'm, you're saying do yes, get involved with absolutely. local elections, get involved with stuff going in our city. Don't, don't separate yourself where you're just living in your own private culture. Um, our authority is to God, but be part of the culture you're in huge in that sense. Yeah. We would I think I'm saying that correctly. Yeah. Uh, this is the way that God has chosen to work throughout the history, but Daniel is basically the vice president eventually in this culture. And we were talking about Joseph. Joseph was yes. involved in old Testament. I guess they're both old Testament, but old Testament too. We were looking at that a little bit earlier. in Egypt. Yeah, absolutely. So we need more Christians involved in politics and all, all the cross the board. I mean, community service is one of those stats. Don't back away from serving your community. Don't back away from serving your country. Step in and help. And and many are helping uh, the, the different leaders. I, again, the the uh, I was just at a, a meeting prior to this podcast. We had a leader that's in our church, and he helps lead in the Denison Forum on Truth and Culture. In the Denison Forum on Truth and Culture, it takes the the news of what's happening in our culture, and it gives us a Christian lens through which to look at what's happening, and also to engage in what's happening as Christians, so that we can fight for the glory of God and the good of those that are around us uh, in our world. And we've got to do that. So thank you for that. Okay. Back. Let me ask, uh, cause I want to get to baptism, but there's a question that ties right into this, yep. uh, that we have at various times in life, we might feel we are powerless. Mm. So you look at government, 
I don't want to take it that way, but let me finish the question. We feel we are powerless to our circumstances. Mm-hmm. How should knowledge of God's wisdom, sovereignty, and power affect our view when we feel powerless? Yeah. And I'm going to actually read it one more time so people can hear it and also so that I can internalize it. I have seen it before the podcast, but I'm going to read it again. At various times in life, we might feel we are powerless to our circumstances. How should knowledge of God's wisdom, sovereignty, and power affect our view when we feel powerless? Beautiful question. Points to, again, the main point, I believe, of the book of Daniel, and that is that God is in control. Uh, the Chapter 2 is this unbelievably powerful display of how God is in control because God is going to tell the king of Babylon what is going to happen, not just right now, but in the for future of the world, right? And it is going to play out. Like God is going to not only, he's, he's, he doesn't just foreknow, right, what, what's going to happen. He also predestines, the Bible tells us. And what does that mean? How far does he go? I also still believe free will is part of that. So he, he is in such incredible control as a sovereign God that not only does he know that it's coming and he's going to make it play out over time, but he's also able to, in control, make a king dream and Daniel dream, but not just dream that dream, but then control Daniel in such a way that Daniel is able to know the interpretation of that dream and then put them together so that the man can see the dream. I mean, it's just this, the sovereignty of God is all over it. So how should that affect us when we are feeling powerless in our circumstances. Well, you should be encouraged knowing that you're connected to the one who's in ultimate power, who's in complete control, and he loves you and he is out for your good. If, if God is in control, this is really good for people who know God and know that God loves them. Uh, I, I mentioned, I think, last week that the cultures around the world that are in persecution, love the book of Revelation and they love of the book of Daniel because it shows us God's in control. And so nothing that's happening right now is outside of his purview. That should give you great, great, great encouragement when you feel powerless. You really are. I am too. But we are connected to the one who is in power, and that is super cool. Okay. I want to get this in. So um, we got a couple questions uh, here about baptism. So the end part of service, go listen to the sermon, great sermon, and then we moved into a baptism uh, part of it. You kind of connected that to the private prayer, profession of faith, all that, the symbolism. But one of the questions I got over and over on Sunday, and it's just more logistical than philosophical, uh, and maybe philosophical, but why? So if, if you watch it online or you were there, the baptism was on the stage. We have this beautiful, ba- there's even a picture of Jesus being baptized, a picture of stained glass of Jesus' baptism above, and that's where we normally baptize. Why do we put the, and you and I have had this discussion, the team has talked through this, why put the baptism on the stage? So before I even speak on baptism, I want to say this again, which I don't know, especially first hour, that I made it very clear, and that what it, what what's happening in Daniel's life when he professes faith in front of the king is not the same thing as baptism in the New Testament, right? And I know you're shaking your head no, and maybe it's obvious for a lot of different people no, um, 
But baptism is our first step of obedience when we are professing that we have turned from our sin, following Jesus, that Jesus has saved us in our life. It's more than just saying there's a God. It's saying, I believe that this God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to forgive me, and he has rescued me, and I'm connected to him. So baptism is a public profession of our faith. What he was doing and what Christians must continue to do, once you're baptized, that's the first, that's not the last time you ever stand up for what you believe, right? Uh, he is continuing to stand up for what he believes as a follower of the true God by sharing with God that there is a God in heaven. So baptism is the first step in that. I just wanted to clarify that. It's 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 no, thank showing you for doing that. yeah, sh- showing the world I'm united to Christ. So why do we put it on stage? Well, two reasons. One, putting it on the stage allows the people to get closer to the people in the room. If we're going to baptize a lot of people, it's just fun to have the intimacy of pe- getting them closer. So that's that's one. Second thing is again we're trying to elevate, celebrate baptism on this Sunday and make it unique on some level so that if there's people that haven't thought about doing it, it puts it a little bit more forefront in their life to prompt them to think about making that step of faith and so to challenge people forward in the process of baptism. Why don't we do it every week? Well, we need that space in the room. <laughs> so we have there's a space built into our church that's a little farther away up high, and again, that actually is more elevated. Uh, but it, so that th- yeah, it doesn't mean the other baptisms aren't important. Or yeah, I know one story uh, just by elevating it without getting into names. There there was a particular child that was scared of water, you know, and because we not because it was moved, but because we elevated the day, the the parents were able to work up to that yep. uh, so he could get baptized. Super cool. You know, so even doing it that way, and again, I explained it to someone, and I think you just did a great job of doing this, so I don't know why I'm trying to do it even more. But uh, it puts it out there as a actual visual uh, for the sermon, for the talk, for the day. It puts it right there and takes some of the uh, fear away, some of the uh, other stuff that might be associated with, oh, it's all formal, it's all that. No, it's just a symbolic, uh, and it's more than that, but a symbolic uh, thing of our faith, a, a public profession of our faith. That's right. That's right. And you you had a niece get baptized. Honestly. I did have a niece, the niece that lives behind and climbs over the ladder, which in totally other news, because I know Mr. Gill and others listen, there is a gate going in soon. I bought the hinges finally for the gate. Oh. So. Well, he has a pool, so I want to use the pool. There's ulterior motives. Oh, there you so. go. There's a benefit to the yes, gate. Yes, yes, because I want to go get baptized. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I just want to use the pool. Um, but, uh, uh, okay, I just said symbolic, and yep. we had this discussion before. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Is bap- uh, You said baptism was symbolic. I said it probably. But um, talk through the symbolism found in it, uh, a little bit of that. Yeah, so Scripture points us to a lot of different symbols that point us to a higher, like something physical that directs us to something that's happening spiritually. So baptism, I do believe, is a symbol of us being, this is Romans chapter 6, that we are united with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. There's a symbol there. There's also a symbol of cleansing. Those sins are like scarlet. They're going to be white as snow, Old Testament passage. How we, well, the people of the Old Testament, they would go through the mix for a ritualistic cleansing before approaching God. And it's a symbol that the blood of Christ has cleansed us from the inside out. That's a symbol. But I also believe it's more than that. Uh, it's not just a symbol. It's a symbol we're commanded to do. And that's that was kind of the first point when we were talking to why baptism. Well, it's Jesus said, but like it was his cliff notes before he left. Okay, now go make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey. 
He said, do it. The first Christian sermon, Peter, Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. He preaches the good news of the gospel, and the people say, well, what do we do? He said, well, repent. That's what happens inside of you, right? Your private, personal faith in Christ. Return, believe, follow Jesus inside, and then be baptized. It's commanded. So it's, it's more, I believe, than just a symbol. It is something we do as an act of obedience, and I believe that God is honored in that, glorified through that, and it shows the world, again, what he has done in and through our lives. And I do know that we had two. Uh, we didn't make a big deal about it Sunday, but we had two that even, because your last point was why now? Right. And yeah. now's the time. Yeah. We had two come up at the uh they were at the end of the second service. Yes. Uh, but they, they came that day and got baptized. That's right. And I heard, I, I actually think we had also an additional one signed up that didn't end up coming. So I think we actually had three total okay. ad throughout the day, which is not a ton, but it was three people that through the process of inviting it even day of took that step of faith. And we had, we had actually several people after the service that I was talking to say, hey, when is our next baptism Sunday? And we said, uh, well, that's a year ago, but we're baptizing next Sunday if you're ready to be baptized. So I th- if, if you're here and you're listening, listening, what I encourage them to do is, again, like we did on Sunday, don't wait. You don't have to wait till the a year from now when the, the things back up for, for you know, whatever. Uh, we don't see delay in Scripture as what, what the church was doing, and so we want to invite, invite people in. That's actually one of the questions we got. How long after you accept Christ should you wait to be baptized? Yeah. So the, the really the only waiting process we have in our church right now is trying to ensure, especially those younger understand what they're doing. And so we have a process. If you have a ch- child, grade school or younger, that's wanting to be baptized, we, we bring them into a room and we talk to them about what baptism is. But even more than what baptism is, we try to help them understand what Jesus did for them and understand what really faith in Christ is and how baptism relates to that. And then we give the parents uh, a workbook to work through with their kids. And we're not trying to delay baptism. We're trying to, to and uh, some churches that are different than ours have a process is called confirmation, right? Which is almost forced on every child. This is not something we're forcing. This is something we're waiting for the kid to initiate. So there's a difference there. But we're wanting to make sure they understand so that this isn't another bath, right? Uh, this This is someone showing the world what they believe, that they've turned from their sin to Christ Though they're going to be imperfect, like Justin Holly pointed out in the second hour, which I loved, when we say that we're, we're committing to following Jesus, Lord, that doesn't mean we're going to be perfect the rest of our life. That's not. But, but we recognize He's going to be the boss, right? The, the director of our hearts. Yeah, we don't have time. Really, don't have time to talk about it and get into it. But mm-hmm. that was the way my brain works. That was one of the things during COVID. Um, curious when the whole world went virtual. You know, and we were for sure those two or three weeks and then it lasted a lot longer, but everything was virtual was how do we do online, the the sacraments, online communion? How do we do online baptism? Uh, things like that. And it, it was just interesting to see the church, see creativity in the church to try to figure out how to do some of those. I, again, I'm glad we're back meeting in person and we can actually see, feel, touch uh, the baptism right there in in the water but it was just my own brain the way it works and i'm crazy that way so uh but i think we're just about out of time unless the uh unless you had anything else you want to add on baptism but i'll give you the final word but before i do go through the rigmarole 
Uh, see it. You don't have you don't have to do it every week. Hey, okay, I'll do it for you. Is okay. That cool? Yeah. Hey, and I'll just explain again. Like uh, when Mark Presley says this, he's not saying this so that uh, we get popular or whatever. The way that the algorithms work online is if if this was helpful for you, if you want it to be helpful for someone else, if you like, share, comment, whatever, put out, put a review in that actually exposes it to more people. So uh, neither Mark Presley or I genuinely have a desire to be famous. We have a desire to make Jesus famous. And so that w- this has been the way we've judged if this is even helpful for people. Is 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 it being listened to? And how do we know if it's being listened to? Uh, and then also those who engage it, expose it to more listeners. So yeah, we invite you to do that. I will say before, again, you get the final word, yeah. but I do want to say, uh, as we move into the summer months, uh, we'll we'll try to keep you up to date of what all's happening. Sam and I haven't sat down to talk about, um, I know he's gone for a couple weeks, I'm gone for a couple weeks, so trying to make that work. And we've had Ryan and others fill in here, but we hope you will uh, remain listening to us throughout that. Uh, again, there might be a pause. We'll see. We're we're going to talk through the logistics and all that, but just like to keep those of you listening informed and all that. But Sam, as we go, why don't you close us out with whatever you would like about it. I know I'm excited about the rest of Daniel 2. There's yeah. a giant statue, a meteor flies through the world. I told you Daniel's crazy. So uh, come yeah. join us this week whenever you're listening to Daniel 2, or we might even be in 3, 4, uh, we got the furnace coming up, the lion's den, and then some some crazy, crazy prophecies. So. Uh, I cannot wait genuinely for this week, and it's the first really taste of the prophetic stuff we're going to see in the last half of the book of Daniel. But uh, yeah, Daniel's going to explain to the king what his dream meant, and what his dream meant has played out over the last 3,000 years. And there's a portion of that dream that has yet fully to be experienced, which is still coming. And that is that there is going to be, I believe, here on earth, Jesus reigning in power in a kingdom that will overcome every other kingdom, bigger, more powerful, and unlike the rest of the kingdoms that have declined over time in this declining world, his kingdom's going to grow over time. And we're going to get, if those of you who believe, have received, repented, turned to him, he's your king, you're part of that kingdom now and forever, and we get to celebrate it this week. It's cool. It's powerful. If all those other things have played out, we can know, we can have a confident hope, expectation, that this same Jesus Christ is going to make all things right in the end is coming. Thank you for joining us this week on Q&A at Deeper Dive. We hope you'll like, subscribe, and share this podcast along with others. You can submit your questions by texting question to 96123 and we'll discuss those each week. Again, thank you for joining us.